What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner. Excited to be back here with another pod. I'm sorry I haven't been able to get them out as much as I would have liked to, but been busy with signing day this week and, and Gonzaga this past weekend and, and doing some other things as well. Roy's presser yesterday, so it's been a little bit of a hectic week for me, but I'm glad to be able to get back on here and give you guys a little bit of a Gonzaga review, but also more of a Kentucky preview with my main man, Brandon, too. But like we always do, let's just jump right into it. Excited to have uh, my good friend, my main man, Brandon, too, back on the podcast. Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, dude. And uh, celebrating an exciting win last Saturday over Gonzaga. High-scoring game, as we were talking about, and it was fun. That was that was one that was a fun basketball game to watch. Yeah, Brandon, that's kind of a perfect segue in, into what I want to kind of talk to as we as we start this podcast. And let's go ahead and review that Gonzaga game a little bit. Give me your thoughts on it. I thought you know being there covering the game, I thought Carolina played really well to get the best game I've seen them play in a while, definitely this whole season, but maybe even on in all of last year. I mean, they had a really good game against Duke. Um, at, at the Smith Center late in the year when they got that good win. and But I think overall, that was one of the best I've seen a Carolina team play in, in the past few years, maybe going back to that national championship season, 2016-2017, uh, where that team was really talented. I think this team has the potential to, to be good. I don't know if they'll have the potential to be as good as that team was just because there's a little bit different of, of a dynamic, and there was a, a lot more experienced team in, in the national championship team. But Brandon, give me your thoughts on that Gonzaga win. How do you think the Tar Heels looked in that game? And, and how do you think Gonzaga looked? Because for me, Gonzaga just didn't look like the team we'd seen uh, for a majority of this season so far. Well, the, the thing with Gonzaga, you bring up they didn't play their best game. They still, they still scored 90 points. They just gave up 103. Like they, they still put the ball in the basket, but they left some points on the floor. And some guys you know, didn't have their best games. Like Hachimura only had... 17 points and I I went back and rewatched the game at like two days later after I watched it the first time and Hachimura probably left like four layups on the floor he he missed two free throws I think he missed back-to-back free throws one time down so it's just one of those things where he left points on the board they they were missing some open shots that they had they had some open three-pointers and I think that was the biggest factor is they went eight of 22 from three-point land Mm -hmm. and that team shoots better than eight of 22 they shoot better than 36 percent especially when you give them some of the looks that Carolina was giving them but I mean hats off to to UNC the way they offensively played because they put the ball in the basket And, and and don't let anyone fool you like Roy wants to play defense and you have to play defense in order to be better and in order to win but in order to win national championships you have to put the ball in the basket I'm going to go back to something Uncle Drew you know Kyrie Irving Mm -hmm. likes to say that this game has been and always will be about getting buckets you have to go get buckets in order to win games and that's what Carolina did and this one, I mean, I thought it was going to be a high-scoring game. I think my prediction was 93-91. Mm-hmm. But I didn't expect Carolina to go get biscuits against them. But, <laughs> hey, man, they, they put up 103, and, and Cam Johnson played exceptional. And yeah, yeah, if you're speaking on Gonzaga, obviously Clark missed some shot. I mean, Clark didn't even take, take a shot. Kispert only took one shot. He's an, he's an excellent shooter for them. Norvell went 2 of 8 
from beyond the three-point arc. Norvell usually doesn't do that. Perkins mm-hmm. even went five and nine. That was pretty good for Perkins. So Perkins had a solid night with 20 points. But Norvell could have had a better night from beyond the arc. And even Hachimura, even though Carolina defended him pretty well and kind of shut him down, it was, it was kind of surprising. He did leave some points on the floor in terms of layups that he usually makes and shots he usually makes. Yeah, Brandon, looking at this game for me, I thought Carolina played one of their best games, like I said, of the in a long time. But do you think that's the best this Carolina team can can look? Because, like you said, Gonzaga didn't play great by any means. They especially really didn't shoot them. And they still, still scored 90 points. But when you go back and watch the game, Carolina was up by double digits for a majority of it. Especially, I think they were up double digits the whole second half. I think Gonzaga cut it to eight a couple of times. But Carolina would kind of respond. So... How do you feel like this Carolina – do you think this Carolina team can get even better than that? Or do you think maybe oh, yeah. or do you think maybe that's the peak? Because I've seen a lot of people come out and say, well, that's as good as Carolina's going to play, and I don't no, necessarily no, agree that, with that. that. That's ridiculous because this team can get better defensively. Mm-hmm. You can obviously progress defensively and get better defensively. Yes, they have some defenders who are playing better than they usually do. Like Cam Johnson actually played better than he usually does. Yeah. I thought they were going to go to zone at some point and try to slow Gonzaga down, but credit to Roy, they, they went man-to-man. They gave up some open shots, but look, they, they played hard on defense, and, and that's all you can really ask for right now because in some of these games, they haven't played hard on defense. They haven't communicated on defense, and look, defense, it's all about effort. you got to give effort on the defensive end of the floor. Like, you, you can score and, and do all this stuff on the offensive end, but if you're not giving effort on the defensive side of the floor. A, Roy Williams is not going to play you. And B, you're going to give up points. And look, they gave up 90, but they, they played hard. And a credit to, to guys like Kenny Williams and Cam Johnson, Luke May. I, I think Luke May, even though he was guarding Hachimor, and Hachimor did kind of blow by him a couple of times. He stood his ground a little bit, rebounded the ball. Luke May played a, a really good game grabbing 16 rebounds and scoring 20 points. And, and he was the primary defender on Hachimura. And when we get later on in the season, he might have to be the primary defender against Zion mm-hmm. or against some other guys like that. And, and Or let's say Reed Travis. He might be the primary defender when they play Kentucky, and it's Reed Travis. You're going to have to find out what Luke May is made of on the defensive end of the floor. And I know he's not an exceptional defender, but by no means is he as bad as some people say he is because I don't think he's he's that terrible on the defensive end, and the numbers actually show that he's really not. But when it comes down to it, this team can obviously get better on the defensive end of the floor, and that's what it's about. And then for Roy, that's what it's about. That was the, like, that was the first thing he said in the press conference mm-hmm. was, I mean, I know we scored 103 points, but we could have played better defensively. Like, he, he, will all, he will continue to say that until they play – a near-perfect defensive game. And I don't know if we're ever going to see that from this team. But look, even Garrison Brooks got up for for a couple of blocks uh, the other night. Like, Garrison Brooks played well defensively. He actually communicated and and kind of provided some rim presence for this team, which they desperately need with with not having a a true five and a true big man. They they need someone to provide that rim presence, and he did against a pretty good Gonzaga team down low. So uh, hats off to Garrison Brooks for scoring his nine points, grabbing nine rebounds, and blocking two shots, and he went five or six from the free throw line. I mean, that's crucial. 
he's got to knock down free throws. May's got to knock down free throws. And you, you got to make your free throws if you if you want to put up this amount of points. And they did. But in terms of this being their ceiling, Jake, in no way is this their ceiling. I agree. this is a team. I, I feel like this is a team that can lock teams up for 70 points a game, maybe upper 70s. We keep talking about how Nazir is not on the court, and Nazir knows why he's not on the court. Nazir has told people mm-hmm. why he's not on the court. It's because he's not there defensively yet. But we all know that Nazir has the talent and the ability to be the best defender on this team and one of the best defenders in college basketball. He has all the physical tools, all the physical gifts. It's about effort and it's about communication. And I think Nazir will eventually get there. He has to get there in order for him to play more. I agree. I think I think Nazir's got a little bit of unfair criticism. Like you said, I, I think he hasn't quite had the season that maybe the guys down the road in Durham have had, um, that, some other, that some other freshmen have had across the country. But I think he still looked good. And it's a, it's a different system. It's a different program. Um, but like Nazir said before he even got here, people asked him, oh, why would you go to Carolina? Because he, he's a winner. He, he loved what Roy Williams was preaching about. He wants to win just as much as Roy does. And Nazir knows. Nazir knows that Roy's going to play him when he's ready. Mm-hmm. Roy will play Nazir when Nazir is ready to communicate defensively, get down in a stance, and defend. And when he's ready to do the small things like pick and rolls and hard screens and not just play iso ball on the offensive end. I mean, it's not Nazir's fault entirely. And there's some unfair criticism from people. Nazir's actually played pretty well for his freshman year. And he will get exceptionally better because he is that much of a, of a talent. But he knows what he has to work on. And Roy is telling him what he has to work on. And it's about what Nazir wants. And if Nazir's a winner, and he says he is, and I know for a fact he is, Nazir will get on the court because Nazir has that type of drive and he wants to be a better basketball player. It's not It's not about what his draft stock is or where his status is or him being the sixth man or starting. He wants to win basketball games, and he will help his team win basketball games. Yeah, he will, and I think he'll continue to improve. And It's, it's funny because I know he's going to have a breakout game here soon, and it's just going to be crazy, the fan reaction, how differently and, and quickly things change as soon as he has, you know, another 20-point game. Well, we've seen him do it a couple times this year, but when he has it against a, a good opponent, maybe Kentucky this weekend or a, a, or going into ACC play, um, then I think the whole move's going to change around him. And, Brandon, I like how we kind of talked a little bit about the Gonzaga win. Obviously, that was almost a week ago now, recording this on Friday. So let's move on now to this Kentucky game because this is what will be a little bit more fresher in people's minds. People have been talking about the Gonzaga game all week, and Carolina's got a big-time matchup with Kentucky this weekend in Chicago, CBS Sports Classic. Brandon, I got to ask you about Kentucky right now because I've seen them play a few times this year. If you look at their schedule, they got completely beat down by Duke in the first game. It's the first game. You don't really look too much into that. But besides that, they're sitting at nine, eight and two. They've lost to Seton Hall and Duke. They lost to Seton Hall on December 8th, so a couple weekends ago. Saw that game. That was a crazy game. Could have gone either way. Kentucky was a little bit fortunate to get it to overtime and then was a little bit unfortunate to lose in overtime how they did. But, Brandon, if you look at this Kentucky team and who they've played, the two toughest games have been against Duke and Seton Hall by far, and they've lost both of those. Besides that, they've beaten Southern Illinois, North Dakota, VMI, Winthrop, Tennessee State, 
Monmouth, UNC Greensboro, West Miller, little UNC connection. He's actually got a really nice, uh, solid program over there in the SOCON at UNC Greensboro. So that's a decent team, but not anywhere near the level of SEC and what Kentucky wants to strive for, obviously chasing for a national title. Then they lose to Seton Hall, like I mentioned. And, and on the 15th, so the same night that Carolina played Gonzaga, they beat Utah. Um, they haven't played a true road game yet. The two hardest teams they've played, they've lost to. What is your take on Kentucky? Because right now, I mean, 8-2 and two is an 8-2 record, no matter how you put it. But from what I've seen from this Kentucky team, they just haven't impressed me. And I just don't think they have gelled yet. And I think you get that sometimes with um, having a lot of freshmen on your team like that. Yeah, and Jake, I'm not a Kentucky fan. I'm not part of Big Blue Nation. And God willing, I'm not a part of that. But, <laughs> I mean... Some of the stuff I read on Twitter and just some of the fan reactions you, you hear about, like, they want Coach Cal gone. Like, you think Coach Cal, his, his one-and-done system doesn't work anymore. He can't coach. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. But – and there might be some, some truth to it. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, this team is talented. Mm-hmm. This team has has too much talent to not, to not be at least – competitive and in the tournament by the end of the year. They will be in the tournament. They will be competitive. They will be probably around a five or a four seed, maybe a little lower than that. But it's all about gelling and getting this team ready for March. And and Cal does it every single year. He mixes these young guys in, and and it's really an entirely new team that he mixes in. He gets them to play one system and play together. And he's done it before with teams like Anthony Davis's team where it worked out into a national championship, and then there's other times where it didn't work. But now he's got guys that are coming back. P.J. Washington is back, is a sophomore that didn't leave last year mm-hmm. and is playing significant minutes. And you got a guy like Quade Green who came back and actually just transferred because he wasn't playing enough minutes. <laughs> I mean, that he's had a lot of stuff to deal with. And I could say a stronger word for that, but but I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. But he's just had a lot to deal with, and it's not it's not all Cal's fault. It really is. Sometimes you just gotta let these players develop. And one of Dean Smith's biggest mantras is don't overcoach. The worst thing you can do for a player is you overcoach them. So Cal's trying not to overcoach this team. He's trying to to get this team going in the right direction. And they still have some talent. Dude. Like Keldon Johnson will be a lottery pick. Keldon Johnson is a, a physical guard who maybe needs to have a little bit more of explosiveness, but he is physical. He can score the basketball. He's scoring 16 points per game with five rebounds. Like, he rebounds the basketball out of the guard position. So he's physical. Reed Travis, the transfer from the graduate transfer from Stanford, he can play. I mean, he's got 14 points a game. P.J. Washington, this is a very balanced team on offense, but this is nowhere near where they can be. Like, Tyler Hero is an, is an exceptional shooter, and he hasn't shot the ball well this year. He hasn't. He's only shooting 28% from beyond the three-point arc. And, and Jake, if you go and watch any of his high school tapes, or you listen to his high school mixtapes, if you go and talk to anybody who is involved with recruiting, the one thing they will tell you is Tyler Hero can shoot the basketball. Mm-hmm. That That's the one thing he can do. He, is, he can score, but his his stroke is, is undeniable. Mm-hmm. And maybe he'll, he'll never find it this year. Maybe he won't. 
but I just have a hard time believing somebody who can shoot the basketball that well is going to continue to shoot 28% from the field. And, and, and I've heard people say that this is Cal's best three-point shooting team, and I believe it. He's got guys like Johnson who can shoot, Hero can shoot, uh, qu- Quickly can shoot. I, I they got guys who can who can shoot the basketball. Now, it's going to hurt missing Quade Green because Quade Green was probably their best shooter, and he was probably shooting some of the best percentages for them in terms of in terms of guards he was shooting 42 percent but i mean you still got guys like pj washington and, and i think even reed travis can step out maybe not to the three-point arc but he can step out and stretch the floor a little bit so this team can score and, and they will score i will i will point out their their adjusted tempo is 194th in the country and actually funny enough it's right in front of nevada who is 195. Mm-hmm. So if you ever watch Nevada play, you can you can kind of get a, a similar game, I guess, style and tempo as to what Kentucky plays right now. Because we remember back to that Champions Classic game against Duke. Coach Cal was trying to run with them. Yeah. He, he thought he had the guys to run. He thought he had the horses in the stable. And they got ran off the floor. <laughs> and he was like, we cannot do that again. We cannot try to run with teams like that. We have to slow the game down a little bit. We have to take efficient jump shots. And they've been doing that as of late this season. And and they've been progressing to that. So this isn't just a a pushover Kentucky team. But they do have to make shots. And and at some point they will make shots, whether it's against Carolina or not. Who knows? But this team is too talented not to win a lot of games in the SEC and and to be at least a 4 or 5 seed. But there's no doubt in my mind that this team is, is talented enough not to be around around that conversation. So how do you think, going into to Saturday's matchup, how do you think Carolina kind of matches up with Kentucky? Because you kind of mentioned the styles of play. Do you think this is a, a type of game where if Carolina can control the, the, the tempo of the game and can run at that fast pace for a majority of the game, do you think Carolina's going to have the advantage uh, and, and have a really good shot at winning and maybe playing – you know, in scoring a, a, a similar amount of points to what they did right. against Gonzaga, because that was a very up-tempo game from Carolina. Yeah, Gonzaga tried to run with them because I think Gonzaga was suited for it. I mean, yeah, they they turned the ball over a little bit, but Gonzaga was suited for it. I I don't know if Kentucky is though, Jake, and and maybe you can speak on on the Duke game. It just looked like that team wasn't ready to run with what Duke had. No, and yeah, Carolina plays faster than Duke does. Mm-hmm. So I think. I, I, I don't know. I think it's one of those games where going into this weekend's matchup, I think it's one of those games where I've got a feeling that Carolina's obviously Carolina's going to try to push the ball. I've got a feeling that Kentucky is going to struggle to cope with the speed that Carolina can play with. The only question I have about about Carolina right now is they've been a little bit up and down. Sure, they played really well against Gonzaga. That was a spectacular performance, really. Maybe besides on the defensive end, but. If you beat a team by 13 points, that was a good performance, especially uh, a top-five team in the country in Gonzaga. So I think what Carolina and what real advantage they're going to look for going into it is, hey, let's run, let's let's up this tempo as much as we can. Let's be aggressive like we were against Gonzaga because what we've seen from Kentucky this year is kind we kind of saw it against Duke. They struggle to, to handle that up-tempo style of offense uh, like a lot of teams do across the country, especially – when you're a team like Kentucky that doesn't really like to play like that. They like to play the exact opposite of that and kind of slow things down a little bit. So for me, I think Kentucky's a good team. 
like I said, they haven't really played anybody yet. And the two teams they've played, they have lost two really when it comes down to it. And you could even argue Seton Hall is, I mean, they're a good team, but they're not great by any means. And, yeah, and, and look, Seton Hall is going to be, uh, they're going to be a middle of the road NCAA tournament team. Like, for sure. They're, they're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good, but. It's but just, they're not, they're not, they're not Duke the and they're not Carolina. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not one of the top 15 best teams in, in the country. I, I just don't see that right now. So how do you think these two teams match up? Do you think, who do you give the advantage, I guess is what I'm trying to ask, going into uh, going into Saturday? Uh, well, I, I will say this. We, we didn't even mention this, but Carolina turned the ball over 23 times. Yeah, they're still struggling 18, with that. To 18 assists. Mm-hmm. And you got to be efficient with the, with the basketball. Like you can run as much as you want, but the fact that they turned the ball over twenty three times and still scored one hundred three points—it's crazy. <laughs> that, that's unheard of. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Is what, is what it is. They shot. I'm just want to make sure I got this math right. They shot fifty two percent from the field. Yeah. 50, oh no, from three they shot fifty four percent from the field. So fifty two percent from three and fifty four percent from the field. Like, yeah, that's a, that, like, I I can't remember a lot of Carolina teams that do that. But they also turned the ball over 23 times. Mm-hmm. Kobe White has to be has to take care of the basketball. He he had five turnovers. Luke May had three turnovers. That first half for Luke May, I, I'm 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 happy for that young man. But I'm happy <laughs> for him because look, that first half was was not good. Like he turned the ball over a lot. He he wasn't really in his uh, in his zone. And second half came and he he balled out. So so good for Luke May, but you got to take care of the basketball. Kenny Williams got to take care of the basketball. Seven Woods, like you can't force those type of turnovers. You can't have twenty three turnovers and win a lot of games. So they will have to take care of that. If they can do that against Kentucky and run and, and make Kentucky run and make Kentucky take contested jump shots, they they will win this game. They if they force Kentucky to take jump shots, they will win this game. Do you think Carolina is more talented than Kentucky? Um, yeah, on yeah. paper, I guess. On paper, I would say it's evenly matched with like Reed Travis, Luke May, PJ Washington, I guess Cam Johnson. I would give the edge to Johnson, but PJ Washington's pretty talented. But I just think in terms of depth and talent, this team is more talented than Kentucky. But it's not by a whole lot, which is why you can't just go out there and turn the ball over 23 times and expect to win. Like you have to be efficient you have to get the right shot on offense Roy always talks about this I don't even think they they even said this in, in, in the in the game I forgot who was doing the sidelines Roy Williams doesn't even practice rebounding that often but he preaches taking the right shot and mm-hmm. taking a good shot every offense possession so that the offensive players are in position to rebound the basketball and that's why they're such a good offensive rebounding team like you just have to take good shots the right shot, and, and they're going to be fine. Just handle the basketball, push the t- pace of the game, take good shots. I am more in favor of Carolina winning this game than I was like Gonzaga. I really thought Gonzaga was going to be a, a tough out for Carolina, but I'm more in favor of them of them winning this game against Kentucky just because of, of the way this team can push the pace and what I've seen with like Seton Hall trying to push the pace or Duke trying to push the pace and the problems that they caused Kentucky. I mean, even West Miller's squad with UNC Greensboro gave them some some trouble with mm-hmm. with their with their trapping 
defense so that they can maybe force some turnovers against Kentucky. But Kentucky's a talented team, and they will find, they will get it together at some point this season. But I haven't seen anything in, in recent memory or, or recently to let, to let me know that this team is ready to take that next step forward. Now, maybe this is the game. Because for some reason, it always feels like somebody like Malik Monk is going to go out there and drop 35 against Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, they just have one of those games where one of those guys goes off and all of a sudden you lose the ball game. But if you get up and get out and contest jump shots, it's going to be tough for Kentucky. Now, Kentucky can still go and hit those contested jump shots because they're talented, but at least make it difficult for them. Don't give them the shots that you gave Gonzaga on Saturday night because, look, Gonzaga missed open jump shots. There, there's no question about that. I implore everybody to go back and watch that game and see how, and count how many open jump shots Gonzaga missed. So, Brandon, I guess I got to ask you. I'm gonna ask you. I got two more questions for you. First, give me a score prediction real quick for this Kentucky game. We always try to do that at the end of this podcast. Do you think right. this is gonna be a high scoring affair, kind of like you thought with that Gonzaga game? You were fairly close on that one, just about like less than ten points off on, on kind of that uh, score prediction. Uh, yeah, I mean, who? <laughs> Oh, I know, right? You, yeah, no one. I tweeted that during the game. I was like, I never. You know, that was the first time Gonzaga's given up a hundred points. I believe like it. I mean, you don't, you Something don't see crazy. them, and they, you don't see that that happen a lot, especially with you know the conference they're in and whatnot too. They don't really play. They're not usually too too tested in their conference. So if, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna I, I be. Will say that stigma. I mean, I, I still think they might run the table in the in the, in the West Coast Conference. But mm-hmm. there's some really good teams out there this year. St. Mary's is good. Yeah, St. Mary's San is good. San Francisco. Mm-hmm. San Francisco might be in conversation of getting ranked. Mm-hmm. San Francisco's really good. So that, that's going to be a multiple bid league. I'm, go, I'm and, glad to and, see and that. fun to watch. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. to see that in a lot of ways, too, because I'd like to see Gonzaga get a, see how they really fare yeah. when they've got some good teams in the conference like that. Um, of course. But um, what's your score prediction, Brandon? What are you feeling oh, for this Kentucky game? I, I, I'm, I'm feeling the 90s again, man. Okay. I, I, I think it's going to be like 96, 90. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I don't know if Carolina is going to, going to shut Kentucky down. I'd hate to predict, like, a 20-point blowout. I, I, that could happen. I, I, that's a real possibility if it becomes the way Duke played against Carolina, I mean, against Kentucky and they just you know, ran them off the floor. I could, I could definitely see that. But this Kentucky team, after, after Quade Green transferred and they kind of have to stick together, kind of rally around each other, I don't see them getting blown out like that. So I'm going to go like 96, 80, 86. I like that. I like that. I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go 90 to 82, a little bit. I think Carolina's going to handle them pretty. I don't think Carolina's going to necessarily play that against Gonzaga and be up by like 10 points the whole game. But I think Kentucky keeps it close for a majority. I think it's a back-and-forth kind of shootout for most of the game, maybe within four yeah. points, and then Carolina just pulls away a little bit at the end, whether it's by free throws because Kentucky has to foul. I, I don't, I'm not sure about that yet, but I think Carolina wins. Last question I have for you, Brandon. Let's get a little festive with this one. Obviously, Christmas right around the corner next week. I got a question for you that I, I want you to think about. It's kind of on the fly. You haven't, I haven't told you this one before we came on air, so if you've got to take a second to think about it, feel free. I'm I'm pretty confident you're gonna have a quick fire answer for this though. If you had to pick one thing uh, that's on your Carolina basketball Christmas wish list, Brandon, that you want to see from this team, that you want to get going into the new year, going into ACC play, 
whether it's a player, whether it's playing better on a, a certain side of the ball. Brandon, what's your one thing you want uh, for a Carolina Christmas to, to help improve this basketball team? What's the one thing you want to see from them uh, going into the remainder of the year that you think is going to help them uh, go to that next level? Mm. Well, the, the compound answer would be I want to see them play better on the defensive end of the ball. And, I think and that's, I that's a great them. answer, though, at the same well, time. I, you think know? Of, I think I talk about them playing great on the defensive end of the ball all the time. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say, I've said, I said on the preview podcast for Gonzaga, I want Nazir Little to be the man that drives this team come March. You're not the only and I one. Think he, he can, I think he can be. I think he will progress to be that. He will be a go-to guy for this team alongside Kobe White, Cam Johnson, and Luke May. And I'm not talking about he, he has to take all the jump shots because one of Dean Smith's favorite quotes is, basketball is a sport where you have to share the basketball and whatnot, but not everybody has to, not all five players have to take the same amount of shots. Like, Nazir Little knows that he doesn't have to take all these jump shots. He doesn't have to get his. But if he can get on the floor and be efficient on offense, do all the dirty work on offense, and then lock down defensively the way I know he can, because you've seen it on some of his high school tapes, and if you watch some of his high school games, you see the way he can defend when he he puts his mind to it. This man's going to be special for Carolina, and I'm going to be very excited to see what he does. And and also, just a quick shout-out to Leaky Black. I think Leaky Black will will continue to progress and maybe see even more playing time. He played actually pretty well against Gonzaga, had that nice steal and breakaway dunk, kind of uh, turned the tide of the game. It was getting away from Carolina a little that was, bit. That was the loudest I – sorry to interrupt you, Brandon, yeah. but that was the loudest I heard dismissing her all night. Oh, no. I, I, I You could hear it on TV, mm-hmm. the, way, the way he made that play. And I think it got to a 12-point game at that point, and like it was turning to, oh, Gonzaga's about to make this run. They're about to get this into single digits. And then Leaky Black made that play and, and, and used his length to get into the passing lane and then, and then finish it with a thunderous dunk. Nazir Little can do that almost every single play if he wanted to. And, and I think he, he has all the talent to do that. In no way am I, am I, am I criticizing Nazir and saying Nazir hasn't played well. Because he has, he, but he can play even better, and he knows that, and he knows that's why Roy is keeping him out a little bit and continuing to work with him. And, and Nazir is going to be special. Uh, by the end of the year, Nazir is going to be a guy that everybody's talking about. That's my Christmas wish list. I like it's that. For, it's for Nazir to be a guy everyone's talking about. I like that. And I think we're going to get that, Brandon. I want to leave you real quick, just a quick final. I said that was the last question. This is a quick, no, a quick little final one for you. Um, Roy Williams signed an eight-year contract extension at Carolina. I'm sure you heard about that yesterday, keeping him around to, I believe it's 2028. So he'd be like uh, 78 years old. He's 68 right now. Um, Brandon, where does Roy rank in terms of, uh, you know, the best coaches of all time? Obviously, he's all, a Hall of Famer already. Um, ton of wins, three national championships. What does he, where does he rank up there for you? I think I've already said this on, on the last part, um, on the, yeah, on the last preview pod, how – he might be on the Mount Rushmore if he wins another title. Mm-hmm. But my, my Mount Rushmore, my four coaches would be Wooden, Dean, Coach K, and probably Bob Knight. You could go even rough if you wanted to, but I think Bob Knight, what he did, you, know, you can question, you can separate the coach from the person. Yeah. But Bob Knight, the person, is always the best, but you can <laughs> separate that. I think Roy Williams has a real shot of, of pushing Bob Knight off the 
off the Rushmore. I mean, he's got three titles right now. If he gets a fourth, like, forget about it, right? Yeah, I think so, it's too. It's done. Like, I, I, he has a real shot. And Roy's that good. And, and the people that always ask for his job are, are wondering why Carolina's giving this eight-year extension. Like, the man can coach. Just let the man coach. Let the man do his thing. Like, yes, I know he he gets caught up in using the Carolina system and using what he knows and what he wants, and he doesn't always adapt. And that's not always the sign of, of, of great coaching. But at the same time, his system works, his formula works, and he wins games. Like he, he's, been to, uh, he's been to Final Fours at Kansas. Like The fact he didn't win at Kansas, it's kind of shocking. And then Bill Self ended up winning with his with his guys anyway, so I, I think he's he has a chance to be on the Mount Rushmore. He's he's exceptional. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. And he, how blessed are we to have two coaches in the triangle at Duke and Carolina? I mean, I know a lot of Carolina fans hate Duke, as you should, but have a healthy respect for what Coach. Oh yeah, does because you have to look. It, it, it's kind of a blessing that we've had. For so long, Dean and Boy and Coach K and Duke, those three, those two guys, and, and just the way Roy and K have been going back and forth for a while, and even Dean and K in the later years, and that's what makes college basketball so special in the Triangle. That's what makes it different from any other place in the country. And, and honestly, I mean, even NC State, I know, I know Carolina fans don't want to hear it, but they might have found themselves a winner in Kevin Keats. Like, Kevin Keats can coach. So it might be a fun next eight years if Roy sticks around. I think that's why Roy signed the extension. Yeah. He knows how fun it's going to be in yeah. the ACC. You even got guys like Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett's going to be a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, he's a great coach. There's a lot of great coaches in the, the ACC right he, now. Yeah, the, the stuff he's been doing at Virginia it is just incredible. Uh, I know he hasn't won tournaments, and I don't know if he'll ever win a tournament. I think he can with his style. But as I mentioned earlier, you have to score in order to win. He might be one of the few coaches that doesn't have to score, and his team might win a national title. I mean, it, the brilliance in the ACC, it, it, it's, it, the history of the ACC is, is exceptional. But Roy's at the top of that. And, yeah, man, Roy, Roy's going Roy's gonna to be near the top three or one of the best coaches ever by, by the time his career is done if, if he's not already there. Brandon, I appreciate it, man. Always good to have you back on the pod. Like I said, we've mentioned this a lot, but going to have you on before ACC play starts. Uh, so after the Davidson and Harvard games, I can't remember the exact day ACC starts. It's Jan- I think it's the first or second week in January, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it's like the fourth. Yeah, I know the, I know the Davidson game is the – no, excuse me, the Harvard game is the second. So it starts yeah, right after that Davidson sometimes. Davidson game's the 29th, uh-huh. the Harvard game's the second, so it's probably like the sixth, maybe the Something seventh. like – yeah, something in there. I'll get you back on before then. We'll, we'll talk a little bit, Sweet. obviously, about this Kentucky – well, hopefully a Kentucky win, but we'll talk about the Kentucky game. We'll also, by that time, be able to talk about – the, the Harvard and uh, Davidson results as well. Hopefully, Carolina's 3-0 and by that point and, and sitting at, I believe it would be 11-2 and on the season. I think they're at 8-2 and right now. I'm having a, my memory mistakes me sometimes, but or it could be 9-2. and I can't remember, but hopefully Carolina will be in the double digits for victories by the time you're back on here, Brandon. But I appreciate it, man. Uh, always a pleasure for you to come on here and uh, encyclopedia of sports. I'm going to keep calling you that. 
Uh, and, and, you know, until I prove you wrong. Yeah, until you, until you come on here and blank out on me and, and have nothing to say, which is never going to happen with you, Brandon. But uh, appreciate it, man, and uh, we'll get you back on here soon. Yeah, man, I appreciate uh, all of. Uh, happy holidays to you. Same hope to you, you have man. A great, hope you have a Merry Christmas, and, and hope everyone, no matter what you're celebrating, if you're out there listening, happy holidays. Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin Packing the win, battle me, that's a sin I won't ever slack up, punk, you better back up Try and play the role and you're the whole crew will act up Get up, stand up, come on, throw your hands up If you got the feeling, jump up, touch the ceiling Monks, let's up on fuck, someone's fucking jump Yeah, I'll bust them in the eye, and then I'll take the punks out Feeling, fucking, 